0: Well, good morning. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be going through the book of 2 Corinthians, really a letter written by Paul. And we do this from time to time to just walk through different books. Last week was our first week and we talked about the God of all comfort, how God comforts us, even in the midst of difficult times, even in the midst of chaos, that we can lean into God and we can trust God with our lives and everything that's going on. We serve an amazing God if you do not have a relationship with Christ, I want you to understand that you too could have that peace and be able to lean into God for that comfort. Today, we're going to take another step in that book. And and for you to understand what was going on, Paul wrote this letter to a church that he had established in Corinth. And this letter was his second letter to them. His first one was a difficult letter, and he sent some other letters, and it was really tough. And this letter kind of is to commend them a little bit, and also a little bit of correction, but he kind of has to defend himself. It's a little bit of a personal letter, and you're going to see that as we walk through today. I titled today's message, Living a Life of Integrity. Living a Life of Integrity, and and you're going to understand this a little bit more as we go on through this. Have you ever had to defend yourself or your actions? It's never fun, is it? It's, it's one of those things that's really difficult. If your integrity is compromised, if your trust is compromised, it's hard to gain that back. And the people in Corinth had questioned Paul. They had, they, there were people that were questioning his loyalty. They were questioning that whether he was actually somebody that was trying to take advantage of them. So this letter responds to some of those things, and actually his previous letter responds to it in a much more different way. So Paul was supposed to come back to Corinth, and he didn't. And He kind of talks about that a little bit in these next few verses. I want to look at just the beginning of this. We're going to be in first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to start at verse 12. I'm only going to read a couple verses, but we're actually going to go all the way through to chapter 2, verse 4. It's a, it's a lengthy passage. We're going to do it in chunks. Got a lot of scripture for you today, but this, that's the Word of God. That's where God teaches us. And so we're going to look at this in small segments. Now, remember, Paul didn't write the letter with chapters and verses. That was put in later. And this thought goes from chapter 1, verse 12, all the way to chapter 2, verse 4. And that completes the thought that Paul was having at that time. So if you would, look with me at verse 12. It says, For I boast in this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of the Lord Jesus you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Now I read that from the English Standard Version. I know I normally read from the New Living Translation. I read that from that, past, or from that version because I like what they said when it says that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. See, that's the key to all of this. So the first thing, the first little note or point, if you will, is rely on the wisdom of God. We want to live a life of integrity, don't we? We want to be somebody that when people talk about us and when they think about us, they can trust us, that we are going to stand up to our word, that we're going to do what we say. We want to live a life of integrity. It's really hard to gain that integrity back if it's been challenged or if it's been tarnished. And so Paul is telling them, look, I have done this with simplicity and godly sincerity, not with earthly wisdom, but with the wisdom of God. Paul had intended to return, I told you, back in 1 Corinthians and uh, in chapter 16, he told them that he was going to come back and visit them. Actually, it's in verses 5 through 7 of 16, it says, I'm coming to visit you after I've been to Macedonia, for I am planning to travel through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you uh, a while with you, possibly all winter. And then you can send me on my way to the next to my next destination. This time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. And I love how he puts if the Lord will let me see Paul was saying, look, this is my desire. My plans are to come and visit you. But at the very end, he says, but if the Lord will let me do that, he's telling them, look, my plan is to come but we will see what happens. I'm not sure, you know, that this is my plan. Paul explained this to him because he, they were opposing him because he said, hey, I wanted to come and he didn't show up. And in fact, he sent a letter to them and the letter was a really difficult letter. Instead of Paul coming, he sent this letter. It was a letter of correction. It was a letter that was, was kind of harsh because some things were going on in the church that were not healthy. There were people there trying to stir things up against Paul. All kinds of things were happening. There was incest happening in the church. We found that from 1 Corinthians. So there's a lot of things going on in the church and some correction that needed to be made. And Paul was planning to go visit, but instead he sent this letter directed by the wisdom of God. Do you know that God's wisdom is not man's wisdom? That what we think we should do Sometimes God says, no, that's not really the best way to do that. Follow me. And Paul walked with God. Paul had the Holy Spirit in him. Being full of the Holy Spirit, he knew that if he were to visit them, he would only cause them pain. That it would be a disruption. So he chose to write the letter so that he would be able to correct them so that the next time that he would visit, it would be a time of joy. He didn't want to come... And just lay down the law and say look this is not right so he chose to do it in a letter and that came from God and we're going to see the results of that in a little bit he was following the Holy Spirit in this had he just done what he wanted to do and just go there and just lay into them it could have destroyed the whole church but God knew what needed to happen and he told him to send the letter so look at 2 Corinthians, verse 23 through 2, 4, and this is going to kind of show what happens. In verse 23, it says, But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord over, lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you." It was with wisdom and grace that God directed Paul's path. Think about this. He could, have wrote, he could have came and did that in person. There would have been a lot of pain, there would have been a lot of crying, there would have been heartache. Some people might have even left the church or even left their faith in Christ because of the conflict, but Paul chose to write that letter. God was guiding him. He didn't do that letter out of joy. He did it out of pain and hurt. He wanted his next visit to be one of celebration and joy, not one of pain and sorrow. We, don't, we can't ever know all of the details, but God gave him wisdom. We need that wisdom in our lives. When we're making decisions, before we speak and, and, and have knee-jerk reactions, we need to be in a place of prayer so that God can guide us with wisdom. Sometimes we jump on bandwagons and we get all up in arms about things, and then we jump on the bandwagon without even finding out where that wagon's going or what that wagon's really about. We talked about that a few weeks ago, about being slow to speak slow to get angry, and quick to listen. Paul was using wisdom. He wrote the letter to bring correction because there was things going on in the church, but he wanted to come under a banner of peace and joy. A little later on in 2 Corinthians, and we'll cover this again later, but in in chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, look what Paul said. He said, for I even made you grieve with my letter. I do not regret it. He's talking about this letter that he wrote. He said, for I, even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you. Though only for a while. He's saying, look, I didn't want to write this. Even after I sent it, I wondered, was that the right thing to do? But then he found out that it was. He says for I see that the letter grieved you though only for a while as it is I rejoice not because you were grieved but because you were grieved into repenting for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through this. They came to a place of correction. Remember I talked about being a man after God's own heart a few weeks ago and then one thing that made David different than others especially King Saul, was that he was somebody that knew how to repent, that he chased after God's own heart. And when he was confronted about his sin with Bathsheba by Nathan, he repented, wrote Psalm 51, and knew how to repent and turn back to God. That's what happened here in Corinth. Paul wrote this really difficult letter, rebuking the things that were going on in the church and correcting the things that were going on in the church. And he found out that they received it. And yeah, they were hurt, but with a godly pain that led them to repentance. They weren't angry with Paul. They were angry at their own sin. And they repented and turned back to God. See, Paul was known about being very straight and harsh, maybe even, in his letters One of the things I love about reading Paul's writing, he was very sarcastic. And I know that doesn't always come across the right way. But Paul was very blunt and to the point with his letters. But in person, he seemed to be very meek. Actually, a lot of the scripture leads you to believe he wasn't a great communicator. But he could write. And through God's wisdom, he knew the letter would be more effective than in person. And so he wrote that letter. He followed the Spirit of God. God gives us wisdom through the power of His Holy Spirit. He guides us and helps us to make right decisions. Listen, Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Again, I say this all the time. It's easy to say, not always easy to do. The longer we serve God, the longer we yield our lives to God, the more we're going to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and understand what He's telling us. Is it a physical voice? Not necessarily. It could be a nudge in your spirit. It could be something that pops out of the page at you when you're reading the Bible. It could be a whisper that you just sense in your spirit through prayer, but the Holy Spirit will communicate to you. And I think it's different with each one of us. And it's different at different times and circumstances. But the more you know God, the more you understand His voice. The Spirit of God guided Him. And He knew that going would cause pain, even more pain, probably even destruction in the church. But by writing a letter of correction, it brought healing and repentance. And that's what 2 Corinthians, part of 2 Corinthians is about that healing. It's about commending them for that. So how do we know how to hear the Spirit of God? We talk about this a lot. The only way we can know and hear and understand the Spirit of God is to draw close to Him. The closer we get to God, the more we're gonna understand and recognize His voice speaking to us. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us freely when we came to Him. That comes through study in scripture and in prayer. When we pray, we are connecting with God, and prayer is not a one-way thing. It is us praying to God, but it's also us being silent and listening. Sometimes when we pray, God will show us things things in His Word that will speak to us. Actually, it's not just sometimes, He does all the time. This is why I fully believe that the first thing we do in the morning is prayer. I'm not saying that you get down on your knees for two hours in the morning and pray, but it's not a bad idea. The first thing you should do in the morning is pray. Just wake up and thank God for another day and ask Him to lead you and guide you for that coming day. If you've got a big, big calendar and it's a lot going on, you should get up a little bit earlier and pray. Pray a little longer. Get in touch with God. Lean into Him. Spend time in His Word and learn to hear His voice. Everybody has different ways of praying. Some people like to pace and pray, and they'll walk around a room, and others talk to God. Other people like to type out their prayers because it helps them to focus. Helps them to put all the other distractions, and they'll type them out. Some people like to get right down on their face before God and lay out and cry out to Him. i tell you, honestly, if I lay out too long, I'm going to be snoring before God. Because, you know, if I lay down, sooner or later, I'm going to fall asleep. It's just the way it is. I don't have any trouble falling asleep once my head hits the pillow. But whatever it is, the only way we can learn to discern what God's speaking to us and to hear His voice is to spend time with Him. There's no way around it. It's really that simple. When we do things like prayer and study the Bible, we learn to learn how, we learn to hear the rhythm that God speaks to us. We get into that pattern and that rhythm for what He's doing. And then we can hear His voice and know what He's speaking. In 1 Thessalonians, He tells us to pray without ceasing, to be in that constant attitude of prayer. So then we know Oh, wait, God's kind of putting the brakes on this situation. I need to step back. Will we always get it right? No. Can we still miss it, even though we spent two hours in prayer that morning? Sure. We're human. But I'm going to tell you, I'd rather go through my day covered in prayer and make a couple little mistakes than to go through my day trying to do it on my own power and completely miss what God's speaking to me altogether. We can't hear the voice of God if we're never spending time with Him, if we're never spending time in His Word. If you're struggling with knowing what to do in your life, if you're struggling to know how to get through situations, spend time with God, you will find those answers. They may take a while. It may take a few minutes. It may take a few hours or a few days of prayer. But God is always faithful to answer. Remember, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you into something that's contrary to the Word of God. So if you're hearing something and it goes against what God's Word says, that's not God. He's never going to lead you into something contrary to His Word. That's why it's always important to kind of Proof these things. Confide in somebody that you know hears the voice of God. Look up in Scripture and make sure you're on track. Have people around you to help you with this. So the first thing in this is we need to have, rely on the wisdom of God when we want to live a life of integrity. The second thing is this, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Actually, who coined that phrase was Jesus. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But Paul was talking to the church. He wanted them to know that he didn't waver on his decision. People that were against Paul, and a lot of people were against Paul in the church. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. A few people were against Paul in the church. They were, you know, they were saying that he was unreliable. They were saying that he was just trying to cheat everybody, that he was some kind of uh, what we would probably classify those television evangelists that are all about, hey, just send me more money, send me more money, send me more money, and you guys know who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about. And not everybody that's on television or internet preaching, I'm preaching over the internet right now, and I don't think yet I've ever asked you to send me more money. So I think I, I, you know, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Do ask you to tithe, be faithful. But um, Paul wanted the church in Corinth to know that he didn't waver. His full intentions were to come back, but God stopped him. Look at verses 15 through 22. I know I skipped from, I went from the beginning of this passage to the end of it to kind of set the framework, but here's the heart of it. And starting in verse 15, it says, but because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia And have you send me on my way to Judea? Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we are proclaiming among you, Silvanus, or Silas, that's his name, and Timothy and I, What Paul is saying, look, we come from God. We've been anointed by God. His Holy Spirit is within us. Remember, the Holy Spirit seals us as His believers, as His followers, as His children. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. When we come to know Jesus as our personal Savior, as our, and we build that relationship with God, we are sealed by His Holy Spirit. We are His. No one else's. When we're sealed by His Spirit, we are under the promises of God. And the promises of God are always yes. I didn't say God was always going to say yes, but I said the promises of God are always yes. So when we look back through the Old Testament, when God promises to take care of our needs, when when God promised to give to Abraham an inheritance throughout the earth, His promise is yes, and it's fulfilled not just through the Jews, but anyone that comes to faith in Jesus Christ, which means that the entire earth is filled with his followers. And that is true. His followers are all around the world. Now, are they all Jews? No, but we are all Christians and followers of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and Abraham's inheritance has been given to us. His promises are always yes. Matter of fact, God loves to say yes a whole lot more than he says no. God is for you a whole lot more than he's interested in punishing you. And matter of fact, the only time for correction is so that you will repent and go on the right way. God does not punish just to punish. It's always to bring people back to him. And I don't even like the word punish for that. It's correction. He corrects his people, those that he loves. Paul corrected the church in Corinth through his letter so that he could come joy, and celebrate. Because that's really what he wanted to do. Nobody likes to correct. I've been a parent for a few years now, two decades. And I've had a whole lot more joy in celebrating with my kids and loving on my kids than I ever have in correcting them. And I'll be honest, when I'm not in the right place, when I'm tired and I'm not in tune with God, I will be more harsh to my kids and get on to them more and get upset about nitpicky things that just tear down our relationship. But when when I'm in tune with God and when I'm in the right place, I love to celebrate my kids a whole lot more than I love to to correct them. Correction's important. But God is always more concerned with saying yes. He's always more concerned with celebrating. See, Paul wanted them to understand that he is a child of God. He does not waver. He wasn't wavering when when he didn't show up. He was holding back so that he could correct and then come when he could come in a place of time of joy. See, Paul strongly defended his actions. It's important that we do what we say, that our yes is yes and that our no is no. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5:37. 37, says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from from evil. That's a pretty big statement. To write out the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil. Or comes from evil. It's important for us to understand that God does not waver in those things. He does not say one thing and then do another. Matter of fact, that wavering that we have, that indecision is sent to us from the one that wants to destroy us from the evil one because if he can keep us from being decisive if he can keep us on our heels not knowing what to do and not moving forward then he is accomplishing his goals because we're not moving towards jesus we're not following his commands even when we make mistakes god can correct us even if our decision was not necessarily the best one god can correct us but when we waver, we get tossed around. We never land anywhere and we're, we're useless. James talks about this, talks about wavering in James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is, unsettled as, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So when we waver back and forth, that's why trusting God is so important. When we When we waver between, well, is that God, am I doing this, I want to do this, we are not accomplishing anything. It says that our loyalty is divided. That's why it's so important that we hear the voice of God, that we know the voice of God. We're going to waver if we don't know God's voice, because we're always going to be stuck trying to figure out what to do. And sometimes... God doesn't give us the whole plan. Sometimes He just says, go and do. And it's up to us to figure it out, to take the steps, and then He reveals as He goes along. That's why it's so important that we begin our days in prayer. That's why it's so important that we walk with the Spirit and allow Him to guide us through our day. God is constantly molding us into His children. As we spend time with Him in prayer, as we spend time with Him in the Word, as we spend time together in worship, whether it's online or whether it's actually in person. Now, look, I would love to have all of you here in person. I realize that's not possible right now. Some of you are not physically able to be here. Some of you have physical reasons that you should stay home so that you don't risk getting sick. Others of you that are watching aren't even in the same state. But know this, that through prayer and through our bond in the Holy Spirit, we are family. You are a part of our family. And we want to pray for you. We want to love on you. We want to care for you. We want to see you grow in your relationship with God. And the more you spend time with Him, the more you're going to grow. This very evening, we're going to do our first online and in-person Bible study using the book uh, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Now, I say Bible study. It's really a small group study. We will be studying the Bible. We will be using Bob Goff's book as kind of a guide, and I think Bob Goff does a really good job. God's really put in his heart how to love people, even difficult people, people that are really hard to love. You know that that there are people out there that are hard to love. They're difficult people, but God tells us to love them anyway. So if you want to live a life of integrity, we must strive to act honestly and to do what we say we're going to do. So let's wrap up with this. I'm going to give you two things to wrap up very quick today. One, follow through with what you say you will do. Follow through with what you say you'll do. Be consistent in that. I tell parents all the time. We talk about parenting a lot. And as uh, some of you know, I worked um, six, seven years in foster care, worked with foster parents. And when I would teach on parenting, I was one of the trainers in training them uh, on parenting techniques. One of the things I would tell my parents and foster parents, that if you said you were gonna do something, follow through with it. Even if it was discipline, even if it wasn't good discipline, Follow through with it, unless it's going to harm them physically or emotionally. Follow through. There was a family, I learned this early on before we had kids. We were youth pastors, and we had parents that, uh, that had kids in our youth group, and one of the kids, one of their sons was um, a little difficult. He's a pastor's son, and uh, he got in trouble a lot. And he told us one time, and he had, he had done something that was pretty serious. He was grounded for two weeks. And he told us, look, I know that if I come to church and just act right this Sunday, I'll be off restriction by Sunday night. He knew that his parents' punishment, his parents' discipline had no meaning because that if he would just come to church and smile right and act right, that he would get out of it. And so he learned to manipulate the system because his parents didn't follow through with what they said they would do. He'd get in trouble on Friday. Oh, you're grounded for two weeks. He'd be done by Sunday just by smiling at church. And he learned to manipulate a system not to be corrected follow through with what you say you're going to do it's how we live a life of integrity and if what you said you're going to do is a mistake own up to that mistake and say look I'm sorry I needed to change this because it wasn't right it wasn't good own up to it that's how we live a life of integrity nobody expects us to be perfect that is expect us to be honest and follow through with what we say we're going to do which is what Paul did Paul honestly thought he was going to come and visit again. He even said, if the Lord allows me. The Lord didn't because there was a letter of correction that needed to be sent. We always must follow through. Second thing is growing our relationship with God through prayer and studying the Word. That will always be in every message. Because that is the key to all of this. The more we pray, the more we spend time in God, the more we grow together, the closer to God we become, and the better we are going to be in our relationship with Him. We're going to be able to make better decisions. We're going to be able to hear His voice. And you know what? As we mature, you know what our job is? To help others that come after us grow that same way. It's not that we get to this place and we're done. We're always growing, and we're always bringing people with us on that journey. I want to leave you with one final verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 19. This is Paul at the end of 1 Thessalonians, letter he wrote to Thessalonians, uh, to Thessalonican church, which is a fun word to say. And it's kind of his final kind of words of wisdom. And I, as I was reading this, I wanted to leave this with you today. Starting in verse 15, it says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, But always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you to belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. And what he was saying is this. Look. Life isn't gonna be perfect. There's gonna be hard times, there's gonna be difficult things. We need to hold on to what God's doing in our lives, in our relationship with Him. Never stop praying, always be joyful. Now, does always being joyful mean that we're always gonna have a smile on our face? No. It just means in all circumstances we have the joy of the Lord in our lives. That this life does not affect our eternity unless we let it. There's nothing on this earth that can take our salvation away from us. Nothing. You kind of heard that saying that's like water off the, off the back of a duck, kind of just rolls right off. This world, although it does impact us, it does affect us, it does not change our relationship with God. Things like COVID, things like riots, all those things, they concern us, we pray about them, they, they bring us sorrow, they hurt. We hurt because people have died through COVID. We hurt because people have died at the hands of bad police officers and rioting. It's gone both ways. We hurt because our nation is in turmoil right now. But we can also be joyful because we serve a God that does not change, that always has our back. That when we spend time in prayer with Him, We know that he will get us through all circumstances. That's how we can be thankful. For this is God's will for us to belong to Christ Jesus. That's why, because our relationship with God is that anchor and that rock. And it grows through us getting closer to him. That's how we can live a life of integrity, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of difficult times. I have some people in my life they don't have everything all figured out but I'm super proud because when they say they're going to do something they do it. I know I can trust them and I will take that any day over somebody that always has smiles on their face and I never know when they're coming or going. I love it when people do what they say when they're loyal. I love it When people represent Christ in that way. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. I want to be a man of integrity. I don't always get it right. I say some stupid things sometimes. I probably said some stupid things in this. Might even have to have Robbie edit some of them out. I don't know. But the truth is, I want... To represent Christ by the way that I live and the way that I act. So I spend time in prayer. I spend time in His Word. Not because I'm preaching. But because it's what I need to get through each day. To make the right decisions. Are you struggling with this today? Are you struggling with that? balance of knowing God and studying His Word in the busyness of your life. I want to challenge you throughout this week. Let the first thing you do every day be spend some time in prayer with God. If you can do it before your feet even hit the floor, just thank Him for being awake. Thank Him for the day and ask Him to lead and guide you, ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Take less than five minutes. And carve out time, be intentional. I started a routine not too long ago where I try to get up at least an hour and a half to two hours before I have to leave to go anywhere so that I can have time to spend with God in the morning before I leave. Because it's that important. I carve that time out because it's important. I've found that if I wait and do it in the evening, I just rush through it and it has—it doesn't have the same impact. Do it first thing, actually pray throughout the day. I pray a lot of times when I lay down to go to bed, actually pretty much every day. It's that staying connected to God, our source. i want gonna challenge you to do that today, let's pray. Father, I ask right now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that stamp that marks us as your children. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be more disciplined, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in your word so that we can be people of integrity. Lord, I pray that our yes would be yes and our no would be no, that we would not waver, that we would not waver through indecision on what is right, that we would follow you, that we would learn to hear your voice. And Lord, for those that are struggling right now with this, I pray that your grace would be upon them, that you would strengthen them, that you'd help them move a little bit closer today, a little bit closer to you, that they would not get frustrated or discouraged. Lord, but that they would realize that you're the biggest cheerleader that we have and that you desire to see them win, you desire to see them come into relationship with you. Lord, I pray right now that you'd fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those that are watching on the internet right now, wherever they're at, that you would touch them and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that your anointing would rest upon their lives that they be full of your joy, your grace, and your peace. So thankful for each one. They're your children. Lord, touch them right now. Let your anointing rest upon them right now, Lord. Give them joy and victory over depression, over anxiety, over fear, over indecision. And Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice. That they would know your voice because they know you. Lord, I thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name.